What's up, everyone? This is episode 107 of Shoe Booty Sports. This is your host, Graham Powell. My co-host isn't with me this week. Brad's in Branson having fun. It's just going to be us tonight. Graham Powell. Excuse me there. Graham Powell and all of you. So let's get to the usual. Uh, like I said, solo. But we're going to have a usual show here, but it's just going to be shorter than usual. But we will give a quick shout out to our sponsor who has made this podcast possible, Rhino Races. Check out my shirt here. Uh, Rhino Races is a virtual race series that offers five different races, a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, a marathon, and the Rhino Ultra. Sign up for one or all five of their races at rhinoraces.com. Run your race at your convenience. Track it with your fitness app of choice. Screenshot your results as proof of completion. Submit that screenshot to rhinoraces.com under the submit results section. Once your results are verified by Rhino Races staff, your award will be shipped to you by mail. That's rhinoraces.com. Also, check out their gear section while you're there. For t-shirts, wristbands, decals, and more, that's rhinoraces.com. You can register for one or all five of their races there. And if you run all five of their races, submit, uh, submit your results as proof of completion. And once those results are verified, you're inducted into the Rhino Races Hall of Fame. And you get the prestigious, beautiful gold trophy belt buckle shipped to you by mail on them so uh, more incentive to run there is no other race series live event or virtual out there like rhino races again that's rhinoraces.com check them out rhino races is truly the premier virtual running series and you can find us shoe booty sports on spotify apple and google podcast subscribe to the youtube channel y'all give us some likes while you're there and follow us on twitter at shoe booty sports okay Number one on my list here, Razorback football recap. I had kind of made it a point that I wasn't going to talk about the Razorbacks after Saturday's game anymore the rest of the season. That's the football team. But considering I'm riding solo here, I need content. So let's uh, talk a little bit about Razorback football. I'm going to take a coffee. Sip real quick to brace myself. You ready? Okay, here we go. Uh, they were terrible. They were terrible from start to finish. The game was over as soon as the ball was kicked off. Pittman will probably get another year, but probably doesn't deserve it. And I feel bad for KJ. There's no excuse for a Sam Pittman coach team to have as poor of an offensive line as Arkansas does. Sam Pittman is a terrific guy, a terrific man, a man I would love mentoring my child, friend, athlete, whatever, but I don't want him to be the head coach of my football team, my major college football team, getting paid millions of dollars to put out that product at this point in the season, in year four. And I believe a change will be made, and I think it's inevitable. I don't think it will be, honestly, I don't know. I'd say I don't think it'll be this season, but I can't say. I don't care what Hunter Juracek said about having all the faith in the world in Sam Pittman. Uh, he may say that. I don't know that he thinks it, and more importantly, I don't know that the board thinks it. That really makes those decisions. So, I think Razorback football is in trouble. 
and I have ideas about who to go get. I have talked about that on the show, but until Pittman is let go, relieved of his duties at Arkansas, there's really not much more to say about it, is there? Okay, I'm surprised I talked about it that long because I'm not talking about the game. There's nothing good about the game. Auburn is steadily getting better uh, under Coach Chief Freeze. Uh, a terrific coach, proven track record uh, for a program that does not settle for mediocrity. And I just wish that my school, the University of Arkansas, would do the same in regards to the football program. Like I said, love Sam Pittman, the man, not the head football coach. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> talking about fire football coaches, Jimbo Fisher was let go. I'm not going to say I was surprised by it, but I am surprised based on the buyout number. Uh, 76 plus million, $76 million and change is what they're going to have to pay him to go home and just not, well, just not coach tech at Texas A&M. And as Ed Orgeron said, uh, you know, what time do you want me gone and what door do you want me to go out of? Something along those lines. If I'm Jimbo, I'm doing the same thing. I'm packing up and I'm heading out and I'm probably popping a cork that night. And this was after like a 51, 10, 51 to like 10 win on Saturday. And the Aggies are six and four. You're not paying a guy that much money to go six and four. I get it. But the the timing's pretty wild, you know, of this. I figure they would wait till, you know, the end of the season or, and I'm sure there was probably a reason to do it. It's like let's get ahead of it. If he's if he's gone, why stick why stick with him anyway? If you know you're going to fire him at the end of the season, let's just go ahead and get it over with and begin our coaching search now because that's an attractive position, uh, just based on the recruits you're going to be able to get, the facilities, an unlimited checkbook from the boosters there. For NIL money or whatever you need facilities uh, it's it's an attractive gig money that you're, you're going to get from just being the coach there so of course Deion Sanders coach prime has immediately been asked about it he says he's not hearing any of that he's not probably not telling the truth there I'm not going to call him a liar but he's he's hearing it believe me he's hearing it He's just not entertaining it, at least right now. But I would say this, if he was offered that position, he would be crazy not to entertain it. Because if you can get recruits to come to University of Colorado, to Jackson State, you're going to be able to get them to come to College Station at, Station at Texas A&M. If I'm an Aggies fan, booster, I'm certainly looking into that. But you're going to be able to explore all your options. So Jimbo out at Texas A&M, and he's going to get a lot of money to not work. I mean, goals, right? Like, who's the real winner here? You know what I mean? Like, pay, pay me. Yeah, pay me what you owe me. Pay me $76 million to go home. Not a, not a, terrible, not a terrible gig there. 
Oh, water break. Thanks for bearing with me tonight, y'all. Uh, also, the Mississippi State coach got fired. I, I don't remember his name. I just know they weren't very good. He was the defense coordinator, I believe, which you can just put two and two together, one and one together, whatever it is. Uh, without Mike Leach, it's it's not the same team. You don't have a genius anymore running the offense there at Mississippi State. You have the defense coordinator taking over a team that was built to be a offensive team. Shocker, that didn't go well, right? So yeah, he but his buyout is only four point four million dollars, I believe is what the number was. It's only a four million dollar buyout. Yeah, poor him, right? But four four million to seventy six million. Gosh, that's a seventy two million dollar difference. That's just wild. Uh, I mean, good good for Jimbo. <laughs> good for Jimbo. Uh, but yeah, that that's and other news of coaches being fired. Let's talk about. Razorback Sports on a positive note. Arkansas beat uh, Old Dominion last night. I got to see that game on SEC Plus, or no, no, excuse me, uh, ESPN Plus. And that was a game. Like, Arkansas coasted in their first two games against Alcorn State and Roast Beef Tech or whoever it was in game two that I actually did get to see the second half of, I believe. Yeah, it was the second half. And that one was close at the half, the second game. This game against Old Dominion was close, essentially, from the from start to finish. Now, Arkansas had separated themselves in the second half, um, getting to double-digit leads, but Old Dominion just wouldn't go away. They were on fire. They weren't a good three-point shooting team, but they shot very well. They shot the three very well against Arkansas Monday night. And you could say it was bad perimeter defense from Arkansas, but it could be, and that's what it was in part, but also Old Dominion was just on fire. I find it hard to believe that Musselman said in the scouting report that, you know, these guys don't shoot three very well, so we're not going to guard too heavy on the perimeter. I, I don't believe that, knowing, or not knowing Eric, Eric Musselman, but knowing his coaching and coaching style. I'm sure he wasn't pleased with that number, that uh, three-point three point percentage that Old Dominion had, whatever it was. It had to be close to 50%. It was very good. And but Arkansas withstood that and kept them at bay and made plays at the end of the game to to finish it off. Uh, I'm I like what I see so far from this Razorback basketball team. Trevin Brazil has his um, I mean he he looks like the guy from last year, just a promising uh, high, highlight reel, just waiting to happen every game, and. Looks like he was built in a basketball factory, has the wingspan of a pterodactyl uh, guy that you want on your team. And he's one of the leaders of that team, Devo Davis. Uh, this, this guy, Battle, I think the Louisville transfer. It's one, he has cool hair. And two, he's a, he's a good player. They've got some players on that squad. This is going to be a fun team to watch. And I, I really look forward to this uh, Razorback basketball season. And I've watched Arkansas play, that is, uh, men's basketball. I haven't seen the women's basketball team play at Arkansas. Uh, they are, were on the SEC, Net, SEC Plus, you know, SEC Network Plus, you know, their plus version. Everything is a plus now. Uh, South Park had a parody of, about it on their 
you know, max like short movie, an hour long movie saying like everything is plus and that's the true. You got hotels that are plus and now it's ESPN plus as you know, or plus. I don't have that plus, but I got the ESPN plus. I learned that tonight. So coffee break, bear with me. But even though I haven't seen the Razorback women play uh, hoops this season, I've already seen two Iowa, two Iowa Hawkeyes games uh, with Caitlin Clark. Uh, she is, I don't know that I've actually said this, like, here on, on this platform, but Caitlin Clark is the best women's basketball player I have ever seen. And I've seen some really good ones. I'm not this huge like women's basketball buff or anything like that, but I've watched it more than most. I covered the SEC Women's Tournament. That's probably the biggest event I covered as a reporter. And I was the guy that pushed to be able to do that. I was like, hey, they are here. <laughs> like they, they are in North Little Rock the whole tournament. We got to get passes for this. Of course, my editor agreed. And I was the guy to go cover it, to go cover the entire thing. And it, it was awesome. Uh, got to sit courtside. Got to see some really good quality women's basketball. This is when the South Carolina women were on just coming into their own as just this power, this, this powerhouse program. And I'll talk more a little bit about them in a second. But, yeah, I, I've seen Iowa's last two women's games. And the first one, the first of those two was by far the best. It was number three Iowa against number eight Virginia Tech, two Final Four teams from a season ago. Great game the entire way up until the finish. And Caitlin Clark didn't have a great game. I, she, I didn't think, and here's the thing, I didn't think she had a great game because she didn't shoot it that great from beyond the arc, and she had 44 points. She had 44 points, and I didn't think she played all that great. She missed, some, she missed a lot of shots. But when her shot wasn't falling, you know, she, she would get to the basket. She would uh, get to the free throw line. She is the Steph Curry of women's basketball. Like, she shoots the ball from 30 feet out uh, and, and makes it. Uh, she, she's got a great shot. She can get to the hoop. She does, she does that driving, the dribble and drive, and then the lay, the, like the lay-in with the right hand, just like Steph does. You can tell Steph has to be her favorite player and had, had to be who she modeled her game after because she is the female version of Steph Curry. And, man, it's fun to watch. It is so cool to see. And the Steph effect has inspired an entire generation. I mean, the greatest shooter of all time is going to do that, especially, you know, when you win four championships. People see that. They want to emulate your game. You know, people from my generation wanted to uh, mimic Michael Jordan's play. Of course, none of us could, but that's who we, that's who we wanted to be. You know, that that's who we you know, played like in our backyard or tried to, like I said, you know, we, we couldn't fly, but we wanted to be that clutch player in big moments and have the ball and dominate a game. And that's what Caitlin Clark is doing at the women's level, the NCAA women's level. And uh, I want to go back to South Carolina a little bit. Uh, gosh, uh, Mal Malaysia full Wiley. 
I believe I got that right. Haven't looked at her name since last week. So last week's episode, but man, she, uh, she is fun to watch. Check out her highlights. Uh, the South Carolina women's team, I believe ranks sixth. I think that could be your number one team and probably should be. I didn't see who was number one this week, but UConn number two, UConn fell, uh, whatever day it was over the weekend, I think, or my, yeah. I think it was Sunday, UConn fell. Yeah. And obviously LSU has lost a game. They lost their opener. Of course, that's like a Heatles effect. You basically have built a super team and a bunch of alphas who are used to having the ball in their hands are now having to learn to share the ball. You can understand how there's going to be just a, you know, a development there that's going to take some time, you know, to click. So it's not surprising to me that the LSU women have struggled early. Um, I'm surprised they lost. I mean, mean, either way, I'm surprised they lost to number 20 Colorado in the opener, despite knowing that that's they're They're going to have some struggles early. I still thought they would be winning games or at least win that one. They're going to win games. They're going to win a lot of games. That's the thing. It's a long season. They'll overcome that. Uh, They'll be a one seed by March. Uh, no, no problem. I'd be shocked if they weren't. But I don't think that they're the favorite in the SEC. I think I think it's South Carolina. I think South Carolina hasn't gone anywhere. I think they've reloaded. Uh, I think Malaysia Fulwiley is an absolute stud. And, of course, South Carolina has those bigs that are built in a basketball factory. It's like they they look like they're part like redwood, you know, the tree as far as they're just huge and they can't be blocked out. They they can't be dealt with in the paint. Don Staley knows how to go find these players and plug them in. And this is why South Carolina is always so good. Because your one possession, South Carolina women, that is, your one possession, you have your one possession on offense. South Carolina is going to have three or four on one possession because whatever miss they have, their bigs are going to get the rebound and either put it back or kick it back out until the shot goes in. So you're going to have three. It was against the Iowa women in the final four last year. That's what it looked like. I mean, Iowa's game plan was perfect. Let them shoot. Let's just focus on these bigs and getting rebounds. And even then felt like Iowa had or South Carolina had three shots to Iowa's one. And Iowa still found a way found a way to pull it off. Uh, with with Malaysia Full Wiley and the South Carolina Bigs, I think Iowa's the team to beat right now in in the women's game at the NCAA level. I think Iowa's going to be tough to beat, of course, with Caitlin Clark and company. And I and Iowa isn't just Caitlin Clark. I mean, they have some really good players. Uh, Gabby Marshall played played really well uh, Sunday. And it's and they've got other good players. I'm I'm drawing a blank on the the other starting forward guard. I think she's a three for them. Drawing a blank on there or on her, but it's not just Caitlin Clark. But Caitlin Clark is clearly the best player on that team and the best player in the country, and I've ever seen at the women's level. But I think South Carolina is the team to beat, and we'll. See how it goes. We'll see how it goes as the season plays out. But notice 
another quick coffee break. Thank you all for bearing with me again. The solo episode. <clears throat> but notice I'm talking about women's basketball, women's college basketball, a lot more than I'm talking about men's college basketball right now. And that's because, one, I've only watched Arkansas play. I still don't know all their players. I, I just know, of course, we're only three games in, but I know I know the guys that are back. I know Trevin Brazil. I know Devo Davis. I, I, I don't know the other guys, right? Uh, opinion coming off the bench, but he's been there in previous years, last year. But the point is, I don't know any of these players. I know UConn's got a lot of people back, and I'm surprised they're not number one. I'm not shocked that Kansas is number one because it seems like they always are um, because they're Kansas. They should be. But I don't know any of their players. Uh, this is here's, – here's the, here's the thing here. We know, the, we know the stars at the NCAA women's level. We know Caitlin Clark. We know Angel Reese. We know Paige Beckers, who's back who, – from last season, she didn't even play. You know, torn ACL, I believe it was. But she's back. We know the stars at the NCAA women's level. Uh, Malaysia Wiley is just a human highlight reel. So that's why I know her name immediately. Because that's not an easy name to remember. But when you play like her, you, you'll remember it. Um, yeah, we, we know the stars mostly because... They've stuck around. They've been around for a while. This is Caitlin Clark's like third or fourth fourth season. I think it, no, it's her fourth season. She's a senior. And she may come back for a fifth year because they're probably going to, because they're not probably, they're going to make more money in college than they are at the WNBA level through NIL and, and whatever else. Caitlin Clark is going to make more money in Iowa than she is in the WNBA. So she may be back for another year. And that's why players like Angel Reese, who, you know, like her or not, very marketable player. And, you know, uh, Haley Van, L Van Lith there at LSU. I mean, uh, you're going to be able to make more money through NIL at the NCAA level than opposed to the WNBA, and it's just the complete opposite on the men's level. Yeah, you can make some money in college, but you're going to make the big bucks in the NBA. One's a multi-billion dollar business that's paying, oh, Nikola Jokic, you know, 50-plus million a year. And I think the best player in the WNBA is probably getting a quarter mil or some, somewhere around that per season. And it, we're not getting into economics or uh, equal pay. I'm not doing all that. It's the the point is, we're, yeah, we're not we're not doing that right now. I am not. I'm just not going to not going there. I have my beliefs on it. You have your beliefs on it. Well, let's just leave it at that. Let's agree there. And <laughs> the point is. The women are going to stay in college because they can make more money in college than they can at the professional level. Although they're kind of 
pros now anyway. You know, there's there's student athletes, but they're making money. The the stars are at least. So yeah, we know the women's players more because we know the stars at least because they stick around. Uh, inclu- including the including the role players. Like I said, Gabby Marshall has, has been there, you know, for multiple years now. Just the Razorback basketball team. A complete, completely new lineup minus Trevin Brazil and Devo Davis. I don't know the other guys yet. We're only three games in, but I knew who Caitlin Clark was at tip off. I knew Gabby Marshall was at tip off. Uh, I knew I know Paige Beckers. I know Angel Reese. I know Haley Van Lip. So it's great. It's and it's not a bad thing either way. It, it's it's not it's certainly not bad for the men's game. Go get your money, guys. Go get your money uh, as soon as you can, if you can. And it's good that the women's game is getting noticed at the collegiate level, and that they're also getting money. Now it sucks they're not going to get as much at the next, you know, at the professional level, the real professional level. But it's good that you're getting some now. And and more than you'll get, like I said, at, at the at the WNBA level. So they're 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 bright spots to both right now. It's just good that we're talking about the women's game. And I, I think that's neat in itself. Another quick coffee break here. <clears throat> As I've got the Again, if y'all know, if you watch the show, you know my situation with the TV. I can see maybe, uh, not even a quarter of it, maybe a tenth of it, the TV. I don't even think it's that. And maybe one twentieth of the TV out there, just based on the way my wall is out there and all that. But the NBA in-season tournament's going on right now. Uh, I had to. I was kind of paying ten, paying attention to the Spurs and Thunder game. I was interested in seeing Wimby up against Chet Holmgren, and Oklahoma City just just thumped them pretty hard. Beat them by about forty. It, it felt like, and yeah, it, it wasn't a good game. But we've had some good games the other night. Uh, Lakers and Suns going at it, and anytime LeBron and KD are going up against each other, I'm intrigued. Those two completely elevate their games when they're going up against each other. It's like we know, and they're not now, they're not currently, but at one point they were one and two in the world, sometimes one A and one B. And it was fun to watch those two go at it, those two alphas go at it, who are friends, you know, but obviously, like, let's, let's battle, let's, let's, have a respectful, awesome battle between us. And that's still going on between these two today. Uh, Lakers won, but KD was spectacular. So was LeBron. And I, I can't say enough about those two as they age, but especially LeBron James. To be that great at 39 years, at almost, he's not 39 yet, but he is almost 39 years old. He will be next month. And it's it's crazy that he's able to one 
stay healthy. Like he's the guy that's healthy on the floor. The oldest guy in the league, I believe he is. I think he's the oldest guy in the league, LeBron. He should be, right? 38 years old. But to be the oldest guy in the league and to be the most durable on your team, that's saying something. It's also sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's also kind of says something about the Lakers. It's like, come on, it, we're early in the season and you can't play because you're banged up, but the almost 40-year-old is out there outpacing everyone in minutes and putting on that performance every night. Now, granted, he's the second greatest player ever and the, and the greatest of this generation, but I, I mean, still, you know, I, I mean, do your part, but it, it that's not to take anything. The The point is LeBron is doing stuff that we've never seen before at his age. I mean, not, not even MJ could do that, you know, at, at 38 years old. This is truly special. And I mean, but LeBron is, and we know that love him, hate him, whatever. I appreciate greatness when you see it. And this is what we're seeing. At this age, he's still great and just still a master out there on the floor. And anytime he and KD are going up against each other, I'm here for it. It's must-see TV for me. And I like the idea of this in-season tournament. And I like that it's early. You know, I like that it's early in the year. I like that they got an NBA Cup. I like, I mean, even the multicolored floor is growing on me. Like, it's a... Uh, it's something you'd see in a video in a video game or something, right? Um, but it's uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I believe it's the Nuggets playing right now, which uh, they're eight and two, being the Nuggets. But I, I like this. I like it. You know, it's uh, it's reason to kind of be invested early, just to just to see how it goes. And I'm I'm just as a basketball fan, I'm excited basketball is back. But to to see this and to see the players uh, taking it seriously, maybe not the Spurs tonight, but yeah, it, it's cool to see. And LeBron and KD going at it with each other, you know that that's kind of sparking sparking this competitiveness. Or they're all trying to be competitive. The point is, these guys at that age who have won rings care about it. You know, they, they care. I don't know if it's about winning the, I, I think it's more so about the bonus that you get, you know, rather than the trophy, which is fine, whatever motivates you, right? But I think this is a great idea for the league. I think it's something that, I, it's something I'd like to see stick around. I want to see how it plays out. Uh, but But I think it's a cool way to get fans and players even invested early. I, th I think it's a good good idea by the league. The league has done, they've done good things, um, you know, in the last couple of years. I mean, just in the last year, making it eligible, making it a requirement to, you you have to play a certain number of games to be eligible for postseason awards, you know, like, or even in-season awards, like all-star teams, all-NBA, MVP, et cetera. That's a good way to counter the load management issue because it's, Wrong to have pan fans pay thousands of dollars for seats at games when the stars are sitting their healthy scratches. 
Um, I understand it's an 82-game season. I know the analytics say rest. I get it. But you don't need to be sitting 20, 20 games. You know, I, I think I don't think it's unreasonable what the league is asking players to do in order to be eligible for postseason awards. Uh, the league is, yeah, they've done some really good things in the last year. And this uh, in-season tournament, I think, is the latest. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I look forward to it. Okay, uh, quick college football recap as I take another sip of my coffee here. Okay, uh, Georgia beat Ole Miss and beat them soundly. It, it was uh, competitive for a little bit, but uh, I left the room, came back in, and it was over. And to me, Ole Miss is who we thought they were. Uh, they beat a bunch of teams that aren't really that good, and you know, you still lost to Bama, you still lost to got thumped by Georgia. Um yeah, we we are who you thought you we thought you were, at least the teams that were outside of Oxford, at least the fans and whatever outside of Oxford. It's a good team. I'm not knocking them, but you're not a playoff team. You're not a you're not a contender for an SEC championship. Uh you're a good team, but you're you're a second-tier program right now at best, at best. And you got a long way to go before you get to Georgia and Alabama's level. I understand that takes time. But what what's uh, Lane and company done these big games? You know, they just haven't, they haven't performed. I know Lane likes to play in them, but his teams haven't played well. And they certainly didn't play well Saturday in the second half. So... Uh, yeah, Georgia still, I mean, I think they just solidified themselves as, hey, yeah, we're still the team to beat. Now, Oregon's look good, but they still have that one loss. Uh, Bo Nix is probably your leading candidate for for the Heisman Trophy, by the way. Uh, they beat, they beat USC. Uh, Bo, Bo Nix played well, but his receivers played really well. I mean, he's got some fast guys. I mean, Bo found the found them and got the ball to them but once you get the ball to them i mean they're gone you give them a little bit of space they're gone uh they've got speed there at oregon oregon uh that's one thing um uh, uh danny landing has done there uh recruit sec caliber speed and of course he's a georgia guy you know coming from uh i believe is the georgia defense coordinator right and he knows what it takes he's seen the blueprint he's seen what it takes to be successful at that level, he's building that at Oregon. And, uh, yeah, Oregon's playing good football. I think Bo Nix is your leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Washington's still undefeated, but Michael Penix Jr. hasn't blown up the stat sheet like Bo Nix has here recently. So I think Bo Nix is your leading candidate for the Heisman. And I, I don't mean to just completely crap on Ole Miss here, uh, going back to that. But uh, the point is they're not there yet. They're just, they're not there yet. And that stuff does take time to eventually get to that level. And as a Razorback fan, I would much rather be uh, where 
Lane has his program at Ole Miss than where Sam Pittman has the Arkansas Razorback football program, which is about, well, pretty much back in the in the dumpster fire. Lane's sitting at eight and two. Still pretty good. Still pretty dang good. So you got to tip your hat there. Building a top-tier program takes time, but my point is they're just not there yet. So, all right, and all right, other other news, Michigan wins. Uh, Michigan beats Penn State despite not having Harbaugh there, and uh, Sharon Moore, the assistant coach, who was the inter- who's going to be the interim head coach during this suspension time, had a weird and oddly emotional uh, post-game speech where he was crying and cursing and praising Jim Harbaugh as if Jim Harbaugh had perished somehow. It was weird. I hope, I hope for his sake he gets some media coaching before before this uh, sat- this Saturday's game. That I mean, it's cool they got the win. I understand they're emotional, but I uh, but you're 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 the guy leading these guys, and the players were emotional, and but they're feeding off of you. You know, ha- have some have more composure than that. Why why the hell are you crying? Like in acting that way in the interview, it's weird. I mean, you're you're a grown ass man. Act like it, and that that was just weird. Uh, good luck Saturday, get the win, but do better in that department. That was just, that was just weird. That was weird for everyone. And it's, it's gotta be weird for you now. Uh, that, that was, that was weird, but okay. (laughs) Other news. All right. Okay. I, I had this question pop into my head. Let's go back to Georgia for a minute. Uh, what's the mo- more likely thing to happen? Uh, Georgia repeats, and by repeat, repeat, I mean Georgia wins a third consecutive national championship, or the field, or someone else. If you had to bet money, are you picking Georgia to win it all for a third straight year, or are you picking anyone else, be it Michigan, Ohio State? You know, somebody else, whoever it is, uh, Washington. I don't even know who number four is right now. Uh, Florida State, yeah, Florida State. I do know. I, I, gosh, if I had to pick, if I had to bet, I guess I'd, I'd say Georgia. But I think any of those teams mentioned could beat Georgia. But I think Georgia is better than them, especially with uh, Bowers coming back. Uh, Brock Bowers being back at Georgia. Surprise, he's back this early, by the way. Uh, but back back for the Ole Miss game. <clears throat> Off button. And look, looks to be back. I mean, look, looks to be, I don't know if he's 100%, but he looks it. But, I mean, that's a, uh, to me, looks like a generational talent at tight end. He's as good of a tight end prospect as I've seen. Brock Bowers, that is. He'll be a, he'll be a top five pick at the NFL in the NFL draft uh, next April, May, whenever the heck it is now. But, yeah, I, I guess I'd put my money on Georgia, right? But I also wouldn't be surprised if somebody does beat them this year, one of those top-tier programs. 
I don't think they do it at Farbaugh. I don't think Michigan does it. Farbaugh's not back. But when they play, it'll be – if and when they play, it'll be in the postseason anyway. So he should be back, you know, assuming there isn't another suspension or uh, coup from within, whatever the heck it was or is continuing to go on at Michigan. Uh, we'll get more on that as the season progresses. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Uh, touch up a little bit on – Pro football now. This is kind of how I'll end the episode this week. Uh, Texans, Texans uh, beat the Bengals. Uh, just going to highlight what I, what my takeaways from the weekend, from Sunday, Monday, etc. Uh, Texans beating the Bengals 30-27. CJ Stroud looking more and more like he should have been the number one pick. Looking more and more like the guy. I mean, he he is. He's the guy I thought he was is this entire time uh, ever since watching him closely last year at ohio state uh he yeah le leads the texans to a win and another win texans are five and four right now uh stroud had 356 yards passing a touchdown did throw an interception uh, but that puts his numbers at like 15 touchdowns to like three interceptions this season something along those lines or 15 and two ridiculous rookie season from cj stroud uh he's a star i mean he, he's he's not yet but he he may be now but he is he is going to be by year three four uh watch out watch out league cj stroud is is gonna have it figured out by then he'll be a top five quarterback by then top five quarterback in the league that is and man i look forward to watching it uh, the, I said it last week, there's nothing about C.J. Stroud that I don't like uh, from his play on the field. His his throwing of the football is, I, I think he has the best, I mean, probably just has the best form. Just, just His just passing, his arm talent. I know Peyton, Peyton Manning hates that term, but it's the it's the best I've seen in the league right now. I mean, he makes it look so effortless and just throws dime after dime. But, yes, yeah, Stroud is a uh, – man, he's going to – this is going to be fun to watch, guys and gals. For the, ne for the next 10 years, I mean, buckle up. This is going to be fun. Okay. And the Browns got another win. The Browns are quietly 6-3 and three right now. I mean, would you have guessed that based on the way – uh, Deshaun has played this season uh, as a whole. Uh, Browns are six and three. I mean, that's a really good team. That's a really good defense. Uh, yeah, defensively, very good team. They can run the ball. So they don't need Deshaun to be great. They just need him to be. And he'll never live up to that contract. And he's making damn sure that no one ever gives out a fully guaranteed contract ever again. Uh, he's done a really good job at that. A great job at that. But, I mean, just don't screw up, and that team can and will be successful. But the Browns are quietly 6-3. and three. Uh, Who has played well, though? Uh, Dak Prescott has been on an absolute tear these last few games. They've won three of their last four games, uh, the Cowboys, that is. Uh, here's Dak's numbers in the last four games. Now, the first of those... Uh, games he had one he had one touchdown but he had a lot of yards 
high completion percentage, attempts, et cetera. But Dak's thrown 12 touchdowns, just two interceptions these last four games. Like I said, the Cowboys have won three of the three of the last four, with the only loss coming to the Eagles uh, 20, uh, in a 28-23 loss. 28-23. Throat's getting a little scratchy. Like I said, talking by myself uh, in a solo episode, that's going to happen. So I'm going to have a little more of a water break here. Just a sec. As I push through the the end of this episode. It's been fun though, right? It's been a, it's not been perfect, but it's been fun. It's never perfect with us anyway, but we have fun. We hope y'all do too. But uh, yeah, Dak playing lights out. Can it continue? And, or is it going to be the downfall we all expect to happen with Dak and the Cowboys? Can Dak continue this or like I'm personally, I'm bracing myself for the downfall. I'm bracing myself for the bad game. And I loved, and I love Dak. Like Dak has made the Cowboys franchise palatable for me. I, I love Dak. I want to see him succeed. I want to see him do well. Dak was an absolute beast and stud at Mississippi State. And a lot of fun to watch, except when he played Arkansas because he thumped Arkansas every year. And, th- and this is when Arkansas was kind of at the height of the Bielema era where they were actually, you know, competitive and winning games and, and even bowl games. But well, they got two. But, I mean, that's better than what they're going to do this season. But, um, hey, Pittman got two. You know, e- even if e- even if he's not around next year or after next year, I mean, he got two. Like, okay, that's that's where we're at for his back football. I'm, I'm done. Done talking about them. Sorry. Okay, so yeah, can Dak keep this up, or is he going to have the downfall that we all are kind of expecting to happen? By we all, I mean me and everyone outside of the Cowboys faithful. Uh, I hope it can continue. And here's here's more proof that most people probably are expecting this downfall, or at least a large percentage of fans are expecting this eventual downfall from this absolute tear Dak has had over these last four weeks. He's played better quarterback than anybody over the last month. The numbers prove that, and so does the win column. I mean, it's, yeah, they lost that one to the Eagles, but yeah, Dak has played great. But again, more more proof that it's we're expecting this downfall because Dak is still available in my fantasy league. He will not be after this week. I'm certain of that. Um, because if nobody gets him, he is he's number six on the waiver wire for me. And yes, number six because I have Joe Burrow quarterback. I just don't want him to stay on the waiver wire. Dak, that is. And but yeah, he Dak is owned in ninety two percent of fantasy leagues but he's been available in mine for the last month and of course part of it he was hurt right he was hurt but injured uh for a while but i mean it's the inconsistency is what scares people is what scares anyone to one have him on your team but especially to start him but a month a month's work of consistency at that level 
is enough for me to want him on my roster, you know, at least in, in the fantasy world. But uh yeah, I I hope I hope Dak does continue this pace or continue this play. And because it's been fun to watch. I mean, I've been rooting for the guy ever since he came out of Mississippi State. I mean, when he left Mississippi State, I started rooting for him because I wanted I was like, man, this guy can play. Seeing him tear it up at the in the preseason and all that. Not a lot of guys do, right? But uh seeing Dak Prescott do it after what he did at Mississippi State, breaking, setting all kinds of records, uh, winning a lot of big games. You know, I was I was rooting for the guy. He wasn't thumping my razorbacks for once. He was you know, doing big things at the next level. And then it uh, seems like a great dude, uh, a guy that you want to root for. So I hope he can continue this, uh, continue this absolute tear he has been on. But key waiver wire pickups, uh, I'll touch up on that a little bit to end this episode. So number one for me is going to be Noah Brown. I don't, I don't even have to look at my notes to tell you that. Uh, two big monster games uh, from him. Uh, wide receiver for the Texans. Uh, Noah Brown absolutely lit it up these last two weeks. And uh, Devin Singletary, by the way. How how about his play uh, this on Sunday? Uh, 30 carries, had like a buck 50 uh, on the ground rushing and a touchdown. I'm going to go get him. Uh, he, he's available in a lot of leagues. Uh, he's got to be considered for that starting job after that performance, especially when the guy before him can't even remember his name, hasn't done much before that. But the Texans are starting to figure it out offensively. Uh, Devin Singletary had a game. He can continue to be a factor for that team uh, moving forward. As For a 5-4 and four team, uh, that's a playoff contender. <laughs> so... Uh, Demario Douglas, another one I would t- I would take a look into. Now you can have him later on down uh, on your waiver wire pickups if you have multiple selections. Don't have him as your first priority. One, it's a Patriots receiver. Can you really trust him? Uh, two, especially with their quarterback situation. But and two, they're on a bye week this week. The Patriots, so he's not going to be a big add in leagues. Uh, another one, Trey McBride, Arizona tight end. Uh, two of the last three weeks, he had a dud week last week, but two of these last three weeks, he's had 20-plus points in fantasy. Uh, yeah, 20-point performances, 20-plus points in two of the last three weeks. Uh, go grab him if you're in need of a tight end there. And Dustin Hopkins, the kicker for the Browns, has 14 more points than the second-ranked kicker uh, in the league this year, clear cut number one in his position, only owned in forty five percent of leagues. Started in less than that, as you you would, as you know. There's no excuse for that. We're in week ten, and he has over a hundred fantasy points as a kicker. And Brandon Aubrey for Dallas has ninety two, and he's he's number two behind him. He's only had double digit points in four of the last five weeks. Uh, Hopkins has had double-digit points in three of the last four. So go get Dustin Hopkins off the waiver wire if he's available in your league, which he is in over 50% of leagues, in ESPN Fantasy, that is. And last but not last but not least, I'm sure, well, Dak Prescott has, like I said earlier, owned in 92% of leagues, almost 93%. Uh, 
uh he but if he is available in that eight percent of your in that eight eight percent if your league is in in that percentile uh yeah go get him <laughs> go get him and you know go start him he is on an absolute tear now watch as soon as you plug him in you know he'll have a dead game he'll have that come down to earth in a hard way not just come down to earth but like come down like a meteor and splash into the ocean and create chaos and armageddon and all that that kind of game hopefully he doesn't have that hopefully he plays well and continues this tear and you'll get points out of it so that's what i have i have six waiver wire pickups for this week and i'm tied for the best record in my league at seven and three but Getting close to playoff time, four weeks left in the regular season before we hit the playoffs. This is fantasy again, fantasy football. So you need to have depth because injuries happen. They're going to happen. It's inevitable. Add depth to your roster so you can have somebody to plug in there once the playoffs come. So there's your fantasy update. Uh, Yeah, shout out to my team, seven and three. I have one seven of their last eight games so hopefully this and you could say well if you you're that successful why are you having why do you have six waiver wire pickups uh because those bench players haven't done much we're not going to get into that just trust me on that okay i need depth and you do too so make the make your waiver wire moves accordingly and that's going to be it for me y'all and that's going to be it for us and by us i mean I mean, you all, my last sip of my coffee's gone, my throat's gone, uh, but we pushed through, and we had a pretty good episode, right? Maybe. I'll let y'all be the judge. But again, send your likes, uh, dislikes, hate tweets, uh, follow uh, to Shoe Booty Sports, or yeah, at Shoe Booty Sports on X, formerly known as Twitter. And hit us up on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, all the things. But till next week, Brad should surely be back next week. But if not, I'll be here either way. So till then, we'll see y'all next time. This is Grand Pal signing out. Deuces, y'all. <laughs>